Today on the Andy Chen Talk Show, we have Yip Ping Shu, three times Paralympic gold medalist and world record holder. Uh, she's a very positive girl. She shared many things today, uh, including the taboo of how to behave around disabled people, uh, the discrepancy between a disabled athlete and an able-bodied athlete. We also talked about her struggle with muscular dystrophy and how she fell in love with swimming and many, many, many more. Uh, so enjoy. But before we begin, I want to say a big thank you to Hone Singapore for sponsoring our location for today's shoot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be like super Wait, official. Okay, <laughs> oh, because we are syncing all the audio. Oh. Yeah. Because you're using different cameras, right? Mm. So we are we have the clap, there's a spike in the frequency. Oh. Then they will find that spike in the frequency and then they will match nice. the audio to the video. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So at the beginning yeah. of uh, our talk we usually get the guest, which mm-hmm. is you, to uh, introduce yourself in the way that you want to be known as. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm Yip Ping Siu. I'm a three-time Paralympian, uh, national swimmer. I've been swimming competitively for the past um, 14 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. You started when you were really young. Yeah, though. I started competitively when I was 12 years old. I, I just turned 26 this year. So, right. yeah, around so there. So 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. More than you half my life. started when you were 12. Mm. But leisurely, I started when I was like around five, six years five, old. Six. Yeah, it was only when I was 12 that I, I joined the national team. Mm. And then uh, training was a lot more intense. 12 at that time was, was like, is it like, like kids competition or is it like a... Like, I joined, my first competition was a junior one. Okay. But then um, after that, then I joined the open one already. So When's the op- How old are you supposed to be for the open uh, one? Or it doesn't I was matter. also 12 when I joined the open huh? one. <laughs> yeah. So you're competing against like adults, like 20 yes, plus year olds yes. But the thing is, only junior has like an age limit, but open is just open, open to everybody. Whoever yeah, can join. To everybody. Oh, so competitive. Born <laughs> <laughs> like that. Oh, I see. I see. Like, yeah. Can you um, like... Walk us through like your condition. Like, okay. tell us like what. So my condition is Shackle Marie tooth. It's a condition tooth. that um symptoms started to show when I was two years old. So I was actually oh. a healthy baby. Mm. Only when I was uh, two, the age where I was like learning to walk, could walk where my aunt noticed that I had a foot drop. So I couldn't What's really foot drop? I couldn't really like lift up my foot to walk. It was like piang 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 piang. Sound like dragging on the floor. Uh, like more like. Like the foot, like the toes there, I don't really lift up when I walk. So right. it's just like limped. Yeah. Right, okay, okay. So uh, we went to see a doctor. Um, doctors initially diagnosed me as club foot, which is quite a common um, pediatric condition. Mm. So we did an operation, but after that, it didn't get any better. Right. So uh, we had to go to visit doctors. Initially, doctors could not diagnose the condition right. because Shaka Marie tooth is very, very rare. So Okay. How rare, rare? Um, happens, I know like for the US statistics, it happens yeah. to one in every 250,000 kids or something yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah, so That's it's really very rare. Yeah. 0.025. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah, so um, I was able to walk with like uh, braces and assistance until I was 13 years old. Then I had to sit on a wheelchair since then. And right. it only the condition affected my fan, my hands only when I was five. Yeah. Also initially it was just your arm. Initially it was just my legs when I was two. Right. Then slowly then my arms five. Right. Yeah. So it's a condition that slowly deteriorates over time. Right. Yeah. So at, at this point as well, it's mm-hmm. gonna deteriorate further. I doctors have said that the older I get, the slower the deterioration will happen. Right. But I think with um sports and physical activity and everything, it does greatly slow down the condition even once I started uh, training. Training. Mm. So it really helped. Yeah, it did. So, I got a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I want to, I just want to talk about this. I, I, I feel that um, in Singapore, right, like being disabled is almost like a taboo. Mm. Um, actually, even for me, like sometimes I don't know. I think the main reason is because we don't we don't have contact. Most yes. of us don't have contact yes. with anybody disabled. And then and then we don't know how to deal with it. Mm. Do you feel that's the issue? Honestly in the past it was yeah. a lot uh more yanzong, like it was more serious in the past where like people really felt that um being around somebody with a disability was yeah. like 
they were afraid of getting infectious or things like that. But I think now at this day and age, yeah. people are slowly starting to realize that it's actually not like that, and they're, yeah. they're starting to look past the the disability and trying to see somebody as a person. Of course, there's still a lot more room for improvement, but I'm just <laughs> glad that we have come so far. Yeah. But you you travel overseas before, right? Do you yeah. do you think this is a Singapore thing, or do you think it's globally like human beings are just because we don't know? Then I think it's a more of an Asian thing. It's an Asian now. thing, right? Yeah, the Asian culture. Like when I'm in America or Europe, people are a lot more open, right. and I think it's because they are very exposed to people with disabilities. I feel that mm. uh, people in Asia, people with disabilities are not that exposed. They're not out there, mm. uh, leading a normal lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, but it's more and more starting to be like that and I'm, I'm glad uh. right in Singapore it almost feels like like we kind of like hide it under the yeah. carpet or something yeah, right? I, don't, I don't really see a lot of people with disabilities outside yeah. and sometimes I feel a bit um, sometimes it's the family sometimes it's themselves but I feel a bit sad that they're not even giving themselves a chance to lead uh, so you think it's like the disabled people themselves that they like what, hide in their homes I think something. it takes two hands to clap uh, mm. I cannot blame the disabled people, but I also cannot blame, blame the that public. The public, yeah. I feel that everybody has a role to play in this. If people with disabilities were more willing to go out there, more mm. willing to expose themselves, mm. and then people from the public are also more open-minded, I find that that would work better. Do you feel that there are like disabled people that feel ashamed of their disability? Mm. Or is that a common thing among the community? I wouldn't say a shame, but I feel that if they are, it's also because they perceive the public to feel perceive that, them yes as like yeah as lesser right. Mm. But I, I feel that I mean for my own opinion, right? Sometimes I also I, I feel that it's like I'm also in the question like how do I actually hmm. um what's the right word here like like like. Like how how do I communicate? Like because we are afraid. Okay, mm-hmm. like someone like me, I'll be afraid to communicate in a way that like oh, am I gonna say something yes. rude? Am I gonna like what am I gonna call it? Like a handicap or disabled or what? And and once we have that doubt, like mm-hmm. and Singaporeans, we just we kind of just shut off and like yes. oh yeah, then we, we don't don't, yeah. don't say long, it's, don't it's say It's very long. very common. Like just kids, they don't really care what they say. So a lot of times, like people will come up, like small children yeah. would like ask their mom, "Mommy, what happened to that today or yeah. something like?" That. Then the mom will just be like, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> yeah. But that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. You shouldn't. I feel that it's good to be able to explain to your child for them to understand why it is instead of making it like a taboo thing. You know. Right. Yeah. So I rather people come up to me, ask me questions, and it's okay if they use the wrong terminology or anything. Right. But it's important to ask. Yeah. Right. So, so you're actually very. Um, you actually like it when people yes, like I'm open talk to, to you. I rather that they ask than assume that we don't want to talk about it. Some of us don't want to talk about it, and we will say we don't want to talk. But some of us are okay talking about it, and it's fine. Right, but if, it's scary. Like if we ask the person, the person yeah. says, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay, Lord, at least yeah. I tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's also yeah. the case. I think for me, mm-hmm. also like yeah, I think it's 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 an important conversation mm-hmm. to have, and and um. I think as Asians we tend to like if we are scared we just like shut yeah, ourselves exactly. off on both sides. I think both sides of the party mm. and it's it's good to like be talking about yeah, it. Can you talk to me a little bit about I'm also curious about like this process because mm. um it's a very interesting um condition, right? Okay. In a in a sense that like it deteriorates like yes. slowly and slowly. Yes. So to me, that is such a huge challenge in life. Mm. Um um, for yourself individually and also for your parents um, maybe like can you take me through the journey like how difficult it is and like at what stage like was there any milestone that it was really really hard any any milestone that you are really proud that you feel like there was a breakthrough mm. um, especially I think mentally it's mm. such a big thing to so growing up um, my parents tried a lot of ways to mm. help me to recover or get better or mm. to like get rid of this condition so we went to, um, like we did things like TCM, acupuncture, seeing doctor, uh, even some like massage kind of things. Yeah, and... How old were you at when? Um, at that point of time, maybe 7, 8, 9, that period, mm. that period in primary school. That was before I found uh, competitive swimming and everything. And because doctors have told me before that this condition cannot be healed. Mm. So... 
like I really didn't like to drink all the like Chinese medicine, this right. and that. So I would even tell my mom, Mommy, why are we wasting time and money on this kind of things? Like doctors already say this cannot be here. And then just let me let's let's not do this anymore. Let's just find a I, I'm pretty sure I didn't say let me live my life the way it is, but like something along the lines like it's okay, we don't have to, I don't have to get better, I can be happy, happy the way I am. But for you, I mean, but when it, um, like at that point of time, you mm. could tell that like, your body is deteriorating. How did mm. you, you're as a 7, 8, 9 year old, how, how did you honestly, respond to honestly, that? Honestly, it wasn't, wasn't that difficult for me. <laughs> okay. I think, I think personally, uh, yeah. my... I have this attitude where I understand that if I cannot control something, I cannot control it. There's no way that I can make myself better if doctors already say this cannot be done. And so I could only focus on being happy, living, living with my condition, not trying to get rid of it. Yeah. That's like super duper mature for <laughs> no. a seven year old. I'm learning that now, like now. Like, like okay, like some, you have to surrender mm. and you know like some things you just have It's very hard. And, right? and there's no point being worried about what's going to happen to me when I'm old, mm-hmm. whether I will not be able to. There's no point at seven years old thinking about, oh no, what, day, what if one day I cannot walk and I'm on a wheelchair? Because there's no point worrying about the future. What will come, will come. The only thing I can do now is to maybe make myself stronger so that the wheelchair will come at a later stage. Or The only thing I can control is what I do today, not, not what happens to me 20 years down the road. Yeah. So I think I really like lived with that mentality even until now. Yeah, I yeah. can sense that. <laughs> so, but how about your parents? Mm. It's, it must be hard for them. Do you have uh, siblings? I, I have two elder brothers. Okay. Yeah, uh, we are quite a close family. Okay, so, that's amazing. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not pampered. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you self say People like to claim. People like to claim, you're the youngest girl confirmed pampered, but no. <laughs> not pampered. So how do your parents take it then yeah, when you so, were like, uh, mm. when they... My mom, uh, my parents were pretty cool about it. Um, eventually, at the end of the day, because yeah. I have two elder brothers, so yeah. they treated me the way they would treat my elder brothers. If they had piano classes, I had piano classes. If they went for swimming classes, I went for swimming classes. Right. So there was no like, there was no like, oh, think so you cannot go for this because you have a disability. They just treated right. me the way any child would grow up, and I'm very very grateful for that. So I feel that I am who I am today because. As a kid, they didn't coddle me. They gave me space to grow. They didn't say that, oh, you have a disability, I must protect you. You cannot go out, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. So I'm a lot more independent than some people my age and and things like you that. You are. <laughs> yeah, you are very. I was actually about to ask this also because um, I was talking to my wife yesterday. I was looking through some of your videos and mm. research and I was... I was thinking to myself that, you know, like um, for like a fully abled body person, like sometimes we have that social pressure of mm. like saying like, oh, if I'm lazing around or if I'm not like striving or I'm just, you know, spending my time uh, like, you know, couch, couch surfing on TV. Yeah. But I, I still feel have, I have the social pressure of like, like oh, look, I, I'm supposed to do something. Mm. Uh, and then that pressure kind of kind of push you to, to move forward. Mm. But for like someone like you who is disabled, you don't you don't have that right like like people wouldn't be like hey you should go and like <laughs> like you know swim and like what you I, don't have that like, I guess I would if I was not doing anything but the thing is I I do things like but you so. have that pressure for yourself yes I do like I the do the the, the society wouldn't have that pressure for you right I mean I'm not sure I'm, I'm not pretty sure. sure my parents would say if I was in bed every day I'm pretty sure my parents would ask me hey what are you doing here can you go and do something so your parents would really like play a really important Listen, part they, they treated me the same as any as they would treat any other kid uh. yeah and I think that's important okay mm. so okay when you look when you lost the ability to walk right when you mm. was that like a big transition because I was like, actually the wheel, very happy really yes because in primary school, yeah. it was getting very, very difficult for me to walk around. Okay. And I couldn't catch up with my friends. I didn't really go for recess because it was so tiring walking to the canteen and right. everything. So, um, it was uh, what happened uh, was there was this camp that um, one of the associations was having. And my mom really wanted me to go for the camp. And I didn't want to because I'm like, I cannot walk, I cannot really walk, it's so difficult, I don't want to go. So... She said that if I get a wheelchair, where you go, then I, mm, I thought about it. I'm like, mm, okay, yeah, maybe. So that was how it started, like, 
sitting on the how I started sitting on, on the wheelchair. wheelchair, and I was happy because it was honestly very very tiring, very um. I couldn't lead a a life I wanted, mm. even though I could walk, but I couldn't lead a life that I wanted. I couldn't hang out with my friends. I couldn't do things that everybody else could do. Right. So, but when I was on a wheelchair, it was different. I was able to do things I wanted to do. I was I was able to catch up with my friends and everything and. And I was very happy. A lot of people assume that being on a wheelchair. Yeah, because a wheelchair is almost like a symbol. It's a symbolic mm. thing, right? So mm. people would be like, like my grandma, mm. like she cannot walk. I'm mm. not kidding. Like she really can't walk. But like the moment like we want to put on a wheelchair, she's like, nah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Like, like yeah. To the, I mean, to a lot of people, I think it's it's a symbol. Mm. So far, so to you, it actually empowered to you. To me, to it was a walking. symbol of freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So when. How did you start swimming then? Um, it started as a family thing. So my brother swim, so I would learn to swim as well. Then right. I love the water. Mm-hmm. Um, as a five six year old, I didn't have that much of a problem working walking, mm-hmm. but there was still like some balance issues and everything. But in the water, I felt so free. I could do anything that anybody else could do, and I just loved the feeling of it. Of being in water. Of being in the water. Right. And. Mm-hmm. I guess I am also naturally competitive, so it just felt like competitive swimming was my my kind of thing. <laughs> how, how do you get so competitive uh, to begin with, with your I brothers? Don't know, eh? <laughs> I think mean, I'm just born competitive. So okay, so when you start swimming, um, did you meant to do it competitively no. already, or it was just like a? It was. Leisure? It was more of a family activity. It was more like every. I don't know. Every I think every Singaporean family has like. Something, something, some activity yeah, together. Some activity. So I was just swimming. Yeah. Okay. So how, how did that transit into like a... And like a... when I was 12 years old, mm-hmm. um, the pool that I was swimming in was closed for renovation. So okay. my coach moved to some other pool at uh, Farrah Park. No, Jalan Besar. Mm. Jalan Besar Swimming Complex. Mm. And at that point at Jalan Besar, that was where the Singapore Disability Sports Council was having their Learn to Swim program. So oh. one of the volunteers spotted me and then he invited me to join the competition. And then since then, uh, I did quite well in the competition. And then I was transferred into the elite team. And I remember uh. eavesdropping, <laughs> hearing the volunteer tell my coach to invite me to the competition. But my coach didn't mention it to me until the end of the lesson. But throughout like the half an hour left of the lesson, I was like, oh, when is she going to ask me? When is she going to uh. ask me? I want to compete. <laughs> So when you so you were already training, and then when you knew there was a competition, so before that you it wasn't that. exactly training. It was just like a every Sunday swimming oh, lesson kind of thing. It's not I like see. training, training. Mm. I see. Yeah. Okay, so that slowly transitioned into Compet- yeah. national level yeah. and then international mm-hmm. level, and then. But that was really fast, right? You say, I mean, um, your first time was at Beijing. Beijing, I was sixteen and then. So 16. I was training competitively for four years. Yeah. Right. So how was your Beijing experience and real experience? Do you go in like like I I show in one uh? no, <laughs> no, or like no, what was no, that experience no. like? Yeah, I mean because you must have like a bit of a timing and you yeah. know the standard of yeah. what's the what's the uh, level there. Beijing was honestly amazing. Like thinking about it, I still get goosebumps. Um, I wasn't. I didn't go in as the hot favorite. Yeah, as the hot favorite in Beijing, I was like I. There was a chance that I would podium, mm-hmm. top three, but but we really weren't sure for the backstroke event, not not mm. exactly the freestyle event, because backstroke is my pet event. Mm. So um, I remember the first event was the freestyle event. I broke the world record for the heats, but in the finals I got silver because of a bad finish. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it was a feeling of like a not say pukanyuan, but like. Very like, ah, oh, why? Such a waste. It was like a few milliseconds only. Mm. My parents were in Beijing. So when we finished the first race, I hugged my mom and then straight away I told her, the next one I'm getting go. Like, I was, I just knew I wanted it. Like, I know sometimes you want things and you don't get it and it's okay. But I just felt like this was something I really, 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 really wanted and I was ready for it. Yeah, so I think two days later we swam the backstroke and then I got go and then Wow. Emotions didn't really came. I was happy but like it didn't really set in until almost two weeks later. I was back in Singapore, I was in a car, I was looking out, I was like, whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> like whoa, yeah. yes. 
Then, um, because prior to Beijing, training was very tough. We trained like 12 times a week. Uh, and then 12 swimming sessions a week. 12 times a week? Yes. That's like, what, two, almost two sessions a day? Yeah, la. almost. We so, only have like Sundays rest. So every day you, you are basically at the pool, yes, right? Like So day. there's what, a, a morning session and an afternoon session. Yeah, and then sometimes in the middle we had uh, like our gym sessions. Yeah, I saw yeah. some videos of mm. you working out. Yeah, and wow. Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> I don't know. Looks, I don't know. It looks damn tedious. Eh. It looks so tedious. Yeah. And that was still while I was in secondary school. Right. So, so you're in school while I you're training? Mm. How do you manage that? Like, what? Yeah, so actually from an early age, I learned a lot about like prioritizing things, about time management. When my friends ask me if I want to hang out after school, the answer is always like, no, oh, cannot. Sorry, I got training. Yeah. And so I think. So I'm not anti social. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm making up for it now. Every right. day go out. <laughs> no lah. But now you're still training, right? I am. I you're am. still training for yeah. 2020? 2020. 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. so competitive. Okay. Yeah, so, so, yeah, sorry, I, I, I <laughs> no, broke no. Your, your flow there. You're talking about like training. Yeah, so, training. How, what, how do you stay like driven? I mean, it has been hmm. 10 years, right? Mm. And more than that, yeah. because you were swimming. For me, it's um, motivation started like extrinsically first. It was like something I want to do, but sometimes you know, very lazy you go. But my dad would send me to training, so it was a uh, extrinsic motivation. It's like my dad said, I cannot even go. Okay, I will go. Then eventually, it was uh, okay. My coach is waiting for me. I cannot disappoint my coach. I will go. But. After a while, it became intrinsic motivation, something which mm-hmm. I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be better than, than what I was. I wanted my timings to improve. Even if it was by milliseconds, it's good enough. Like in a sprint, milliseconds is good enough. Milliseconds, you can get silver, you can get gold, you can get bronze. Right. So, Do you think getting that silver like, fueled you? Like if you have gotten like, immediately, yeah, I think maybe you wouldn't have like, <laughs> cherished it so much. Right? I think it did, yeah. I think yeah. getting that silver helped me to learn a lot about um, commitment, hard work, sacrifice, this kind of thing. Yeah, it always takes yeah. losing something to like, really want it. Sadly, right? it does. Yeah, it does. How, like, yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you something. Um, like... Um, like, before you were swimming competitively, were you a competitive person already? And what, what, how did you channel not, that? Not honestly, really? not, um, in, not in my studies. I'm not a very good student. Mm. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> not pai la, Just like maybe play truant here and there. Right. No la. Not very, you're not like very not, interested academically. Yes, mm. when I was younger. La. Mm. No, not so bad. La. <laughs> not so bad. Oh. You're still studying? Are you still studying? No, no, I just graduated uh, in July last year. Oh, okay. Mm. Congrats. No wonder. Now yes. can catch up on your... Yeah. Finally. So short, right? For no once school. in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, then... Um, was I competitive? Uh? Mm. Not academically. I think I was only... I fear that people are only competitive in the things they're good at. <laughs> Take yeah, passion. I mean, if you, yeah. I mean, you can't be competitive. With competitive in the things you're passionate about. Yeah. So I was competitive about like very stupid things, uh, like uh, maybe like who want to touch the leaf button first? Those kind of like, yeah, I reach the leaf button first. I mean, those kind of very, very, <laughs> right. very, very small things. Right. Yeah, but right. I wasn't like super competitive until I started swimming. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think about the competitiveness that you you really enjoy? Mm. Do you? Have you ever thought I about enjoy winning. I enjoy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You enjoy losing? <laughs> not at all. Uh, like, are you the one who was like, wah, throw a fit? No, no, no I'm okay. Lose. I'm okay losing. I understand right. that it's part of the process. Right. That, uh... But it fuels you if it, you lose? It, uh... I know that I will have to try harder. I know I have to train harder to get better. Right. Have yeah. you? You haven't really lost much, though, Well, I, I didn't win in London. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh... Losing is okay for me, but of course I enjoy winning. And what I enjoy about racing is really the adrenaline that comes mm. with it. Before the race, the amount of nerves that I have is something that, as of this point of time, I cannot find anywhere else other than in racing. Mm. I think it's kind of hard to talk about that, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Competing at an international mm. level. Yeah. So how about uh, Rio? Um, after you won um, in Beijing, mm. um, 
the news were not that the coverage was not that heavy yes. but after um, you won in Rio with mm. your world record there was a lot of mm. press about it I mean but okay let's talk about your real experience first was it uh, better different um, it was different so after painting I took a break to I thought to myself since I was able to become world champion I was able to become a Paralympic gold medalist why am I doing so badly in my studies so I used the amount of determination, perseverance that I had for the sport, I put it into my studies. Okay. Yeah, so I, after my O-levels, I went into Republic Poly mm-hmm. and I did uh, sport science. So it was something which I enjoyed. It's a passion. Yeah, and so I used the same amount of energy I used for swimming to put it there. Uh, and so I took, I took a break for a while from swimming mm-hmm. and to study. La. And I did quite well. But having to go back to swimming after that was very difficult for me. Because, you know, finally for once in my life, I didn't have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Oh, gosh. I, did. I had social life, I had friends and everything. I had family time. And it was just... I wanted to... I still wanted to swim. I knew that I didn't want to retire. But it was just very, very hard to get back. So I think it took Too me... Too strong already, yeah. <laughs> it took me like a whole... Almost a whole year to eventually go back into competitive swimming again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And by then uh then it came London and then Rio. And because I had like a few down years because once I went back it wasn't like immediately I would be on top again. Mm. I had I had to slowly build my way up from the bottom again. And did that suck though? Yeah, <laughs> but no regrets like I feel like it's part and parcel of life. I mm. feel that if I didn't take that break to be a teenager, mm. I would have eventually burned oh, out. You're very mature, like, can you stop talking? Like, you're that mature. Everything is analyzed already. No, really, yeah. I would have eventually burned out, and like, I might not even be swimming already. I might hate the water or anything. Mm. So, it's not a bad that's thing. That's true, that's true. Like, you, once you start hating mm. it, then it's like yeah, almost no turning back. Very, very hard, I remember when uh, I was five years into my career and I really started to hate mm. my work. Oh, no. um, then I just left the country. Oh. I just went. You left the country. I left. I went to Taiwan uh-huh. um, because I was. I felt that I. I didn't enjoy going to work anymore, and that was my only passion. That was mm-hmm. the only thing I know in my life. Then then I, I found it back lah. You know mm. after that, but I if I didn't take yeah. that step, That's I good. I might not be like acting anymore yeah. at all because it's just by association. There's too much negative feeling to it. Yeah. But yeah. at least you learn how to take the break and at least you found it back yeah, <laughs> rather it than completely not come back at all yeah, it's hard I mean I, I don't want to ever lose this love mm. for, for it I'm, I'm sure you yes, feel the same yes. right but, so how, how about when you're in, in real we had a lot of bad press in real about like the living conditions yeah, and everything was it, was it true? so normally we're a bit lucky because uh, during the Olympics or like the Asian Games right everything happens then for the Paralympics the Asian Para Games they normally fix it by then right it's all settled yes but honestly having heard so much bad press I went in without expectations right so I didn't expect like uh, to live in like a very very nice place or anything so for for, um, Beijing and London were you all staying in really nice places actually I I always don't know like Mm. what is the living condition of um, an athlete normally for like uh, Olympic Paralympic Village it's similar to like living in a condo complex so every country would have their own like few stories or like if China or Team Japan is them big they get a whole building yes they get a whole block and eventually at the end of the day they try to sell these houses after the games oh so it becomes like real people's apartments yes so it's not like uh, wasting uh, infrastructure or anything so Mm. sleep in the bed of Usain Bolt that's (laughs) the marketing (laughs) method maybe maybe Michael Phelps oh I see yeah no I don't think so but people know that there is the Olympic Village and then um, so there's like a huge dining hall which is always my highlight because (laughs) the dining hall is 24 hours and there's food from yes you can go there at like 3am after your race and like there's Free McDonald's. Then McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, yeah. yeah no diet one during the competition. After after competition, oh, after then competition, you go. Yeah. Then, yeah. So for the past few Olympics, McDonald's has been my after competition reward. Yeah, because my diet is normally quite strict leading up to the games. Mm. How 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 strict? Is like um, for in Beijing, example, I didn't have any. I didn't take any fried food. Not no oily stuff. No fatty food. No dessert. Candies cannot. Yeah. For how long have to take this diet? Um, oh no, the suffering in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, 
to me it's not that not that bad because like if I don't have it from young like even at this point of time I also don't like it anymore so okay. it's not like like if I there was this period of time I remember after Beijing then when I started eating like french fries or fried chicken again I felt a bit sick because like yeah, yeah, your so body is not suddenly, used to it yeah. Right. Right. yeah so like maybe two years before Beijing or one and a half years also you had to like stake your all this food for two yeah. years yeah, yeah. Then like before wow. real, I stay away from alcohol for a year. Mm. Mm, then it's just here, here and there lah. But it's yeah, yeah okay with it lah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay lah. Okay. Yeah. I mean competition is is it's like a love hate thing lah, right? Yeah. So after twenty twenty, are you planning to retire or are you gonna go? I on? think I will. I think it will be my last games. It will be your last game. Um, at least for now, yeah. Um, so okay, wait, real. Yes, real. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Having achieved all this in Beijing and then not achieved, okay, I, I, I wouldn't say I didn't achieve anything in London, but having not won in London, mm-hmm. going into Rio, I was honestly very scared. Mm. I felt that there was a sense of um, pressure, expectations that I put on myself. I was afraid that I would never be able to get back to where I was in Beijing. And it was a very scary feeling. I remember talking to my psychologist and crying. Uh, for our first session because it was just so emotional that I would not be able to do it again. Mm. And I felt like it wasn't only it wasn't only my own expectations but but like Singaporeans in general. Yeah. And but then my psychologist told me that at the end of the day, Shan Hai Su Shan Shui Hai Su Shui. So regardless of what's happening, people are watching, more people know me people are expecting but I just need to know that the swimming pool is a swimming pool training is still training I just need to do what I have to do and then the results will show uh, win win don't win don't win at least I tried my best yeah so it was a uh, two years of very um, it was like an emotional roller coaster. it was like yes I'm feeling good then suddenly it's like oh no I start to doubt myself and everything mm-hmm. yeah but being in real itself and and then eventually winning was was quite phenomenal. By quite, by yeah. quite some margin. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it, I was like, wow, okay, that's quite a lot. Of we, we, we weren't expecting that, but we were training a lot for my 100 meters. Right. Was because it, hmm. normally I, normally I go out fast in the first 50 and come back slower in the second 50. Right. So we were trying to uh, get the second 50 to be faster. Yeah. Right. And so when you were, when you were swimming, right, you were actually Significantly further than the world record, your own world. Is it uh, your own almost world one record? second. Yeah, almost one second. Yeah. Were you? Was that your timing when you were training already, or was no. that your fastest time? That's like my ever? fastest timing. And so that happens during competition. Yes, it right? does. The adrenaline, the tapering. Because like before that, there's some tapering, so your muscles. What's what tapering? Um, it's called like telzen. So your muscles are a bit more rested mm. from training, so it will be in the best condition for racing. It's a peak condition. Mm. Oh, yeah. so you don't get that usually? Yeah, for, I mean, no. only before competition. Only before so your your trainer, your coach yes, will do that. Yes, my coach will arrange the program oh, to be like a tapering wow. week. So sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So um, let's talk about um, how you know after you won, and then there was a lot of um, uh, media attention mm. um, on, on the competition, on the world record, and also on. The discrepancy between, mm. like you know, like Joseph Schooling winning the gold medal and then mm. uh, you winning the, and then the, and then the sports council they 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 increase the reward and, mm. award and everything. But I, I guess my question is still that, um, do you feel that after two three years, uh, is there any changes? I mean, do you feel that the support has continuously increased, mm. or do you feel that there's anything else that should be done, could be done? A lot of people ask me. Um, whether I felt that it was unfair. Yeah. Like whether I had any resentment towards Joseph because he was getting so much more. <laughs> mm-hmm. But honestly, if Joseph had not won that Olympic medal, there would not have been so much attention on the Paralympics as well. And and I acknowledge Very that. Very positive. I understand that and and I think it's great. Like it's great to be working hand in hand. Of course people don't see the value of the Paralympics that much yet. Because they see it as a very um like, like, like more of a status thing. They, they see the name Olympics, Paralympics instead of seeing what the athlete has gone through in order to reach the top 
of yeah. these two different games. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, what he has gone through, what I've gone through is, is similar. We so train not, yeah. as hard, except he's in America and I'm in Singapore. <laughs> and we balance our studies and everything. And, and it's the same. So some people argue that uh, they should be seeing that instead of like what competition it's in. And everybody has their point of view. And personally, I felt like what I could have done more was that I felt that I could have, I was already in a position to be able to speak up more, but I didn't. At that point of time? At that point of time, yeah. Because you were... Um, I was at the position to speak up more about like equality and, and everything, but I... I didn't because I just... I felt like... I didn't feel like I was treated badly or anything. I felt like that was my way of fighting for equality through actions instead of mm. words. Mm. But now I realise that actually those two can go hand in hand. Because it's not like I'm just saying and not delivering anything. Right. What, what, yeah. would, you have done, what would you have done differently? Uh, what I would have done... Honestly, I'm very, very appreciative of the support from the government and, and people already. So... Mm-hmm. What would I have done differently? I, yeah. didn't, I haven't thought about it. Eh. But I would think about it before Tokyo, in case it happens again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you... Um, I mean, there, there is a discre- discrepancy, and the most obvious is from the award prize, mm. right? Um, I know you don't hold any uh, like ill intentions, mm. or like, you don't feel un- uncomfortable about it, but, but do you feel um, that it should, be the, it should be exactly the same? Or do you feel that... I mean, what, what do you think it should be based on then? You know? Yeah. I feel like you don't necessarily have to... I feel like it shouldn't be... If it cannot be the same, it shouldn't be that different. Now it's uh, 20%. Yeah, it's 20%. Yeah, it's 20%. And it's not even for like the money or anything. It's just because if people see a discrepancy, they personally, inside, somehow they will think, Eh, maybe they're not equal. Because if somebody tells me they're not equal, I tend to believe that hey, they, maybe they're not equal. And, and I just feel like it's a message out to the public that this, this discrepancy is okay. They are that much different. Yeah. Initially, it was like... <laughs> 10%, 10%. 10%. Oh, I no, thought but, it was But it was shifted um, since facing. Oh, it shifted... Also, it was not after yeah, Rio and then it like no, quickly no, no. changed. Right? Like, it was no, already set and then. Yeah. Because before pacing, there was also a, a lot of noise about it. About it. Hmm. That's, that's yeah. a good thing. Actually, honestly, my, my point of view in this is that um, as, as audience, hmm. right, as like supporters of sports, sometimes we can only relate to things we know. Hmm. Right? So in a lot of times, um, they couldn't relate as much. Like yeah. they don't know, they don't understand the struggle. Yeah. They look at Joseph. They are like, yeah, I know how it feels like to you know yeah. try and work for you know stream. Fit. But they maybe they, they don't fully understand. And and but you can't help that because yes. in a way um, you guys are minority in that sense. And also yeah. No, I just want to say, hmm. honestly, when it comes to sports, it's very similar. Swimming is swimming. There's not much of a difference except that I don't kick. But at the end of the day, like my coach, um, Uncle Peng Siong now, yeah. he didn't have any prior experience coaching para-athletes yes. before us but he could still coach us it's pretty much the same way we use the same techniques it's mm-hmm. just a little bit of adaptation mm-hmm. but at the end of the day the program the strokes the gym everything is similar Actually, mm. I, I, I was about to say also that um, to me right because yeah. if you look at the competition um, for the Paralympics you could tell that the swimming there is a, quite a discrepancy of mm. the abilities mm. of the swimmers and for yes. Olympics it's usually like marginal marginal um, so I feel that um, in a very objective point of view like people will find that more exciting you know in a way but for me when I watched uh, your competition when I watched the Paralympics I feel that the, the excitement is deeper mm. it comes from really understanding the story of every mm. single individual mm. because they have another dimension yes. for, for Olympics is really like how they just push mm. the, the human limits but for Paralympics every single athlete has a different struggle mm. a different story and like, I remember when I was watching your clip yesterday I had like, chills <laughs> over my body and I watched your interviews I had chills over my body because 
I couldn't even fathom like what you had to go through mm. to push yourself to be there. And I think mm. that's why it's harder for the masses. The masses, yes. you know, like the best films in the world, yes. they are always don't do very well yes. in the box office <laughs> because it takes the time and effort to yeah. actually to appreciate, to understand the backstory. Yeah. And I think when people see that and understand and take the effort to to know you, like mm. now you've done a very good job, like a lot of people know who you are and what you have gone through. And, and if that moves on, I think mm. it will really there will really be a lot more um, um, understanding to it. Yeah, understanding and momentum mm. to the whole thing. I mean, that's how I, I see it. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're yeah. right because I've had like people or friends who I know who have been to the Paralympics or worked closely the Paralympic movement mm-hmm. and or even just like, you know, Singapore hosted the Sea Games and the ASEAN Para Games in 2015. Yeah. Like, there were volunteers. I have friends who volunteered in two both the competitions and they're not just saying this because they are my friends but they say that there's a lot more humanity in, in the para games there's a lot more human spirit going on and it's it's not like a good or bad thing but it's very different so whenever if you have a chance to like watch I think if Singapore ever hosts something or if you're in Tokyo or anything just go it's a very very different experience I think mm. I think I will yeah. I was also actually another thing that really Striked me when I was um, watching the clips yesterday was that um, there is this like bond between like the trainers mm. and the athletes that I find like during the starting when everybody's coming mm. in and then like when you're all getting ready and and the coaches are holding on to the athletes and that moment to me was yeah. there was it was so much. <laughs> It was not just a whole, it was like you could tell that they had this chemistry mm-hmm. and they understood each other and they've gone through so much together and and why I was that was that moment was, to me was crazy. It was like wow what what's what's going on? Like this is it's beautiful and and yeah, moments like that and, mm-hmm. and learning um dependency, right? I mean a lot of us we we think that learning to be independent is very mm-hmm. hard. Like, oh you have to be independent, this do this on your own and everything. Mm-hmm. But as I grew older I realized that um, learning dependency it's even harder, mm. you know, not, not dependency as in like, the, oh, my sugar daddy will yeah. pay for me or like everything, I just use my parents' money, mm. but like to accept, mm. to accept and surrender and understand that, yes, I need someone's yes, help or yes. I, I can't do this on my own. I need to, to have that. It takes a lot of courage. Mm. It takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of, of that. Yeah, for yeah. you, what's your experience with, with that? Mm, I am a... I would say that I'm somebody who's very independent and mm. I would do everything I can in my ability not to prove that I'm independent or anything just just because I can mm. but at the end of the day I also know that there are some things that I cannot do and I'm willing to let other people do those things for me because I don't I don't see that as a need to have to prove myself to be independent all the time because at the end of the day I am who I am I have proven myself through other ways and as long as I am good at what I do or as long as I can do what I do, it's fine. And so far, our team is a very close-knitted team. We have, uh, leading up to real, we had coach, physiotherapist, psychologist, nutritionist, physiologist, biomechanist. And, and bio what? Biomechanist. What's a biomechanist? So he like analyzes our strokes. Like, yeah. like through what? Like by watching? Or through like scientific? video, scientific, oh, scientific. So right. you'll see like the angles, the, oh, wow. yeah, the oh. speed, stroke rate, um, mm. which is the best stroke, which is the best start and everything. But all these are sponsored by the government? Uh, right? Yes, uh, Singapore Sports wow. Institute, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's good, all right, yeah, like to good, have the support good. like that. Yeah, mm. okay, okay. And? And <laughs> throughout... Uh, because as elite athletes, it's mm. honestly quite difficult to... It's not so difficult to work with us. We are very easy to work with. Mm. But it's difficult to get us to trust and believe that you know what you're doing and yes. that everything you do is for our good. Mm. So there's a lot of um, building a relationship, building a rapport from the start. And I honestly believe a good working relationship should not just be a working relationship. It should also be a friendship. At the end of the day. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the way you trust the person more, you know, you know that they're not just doing it as a job, but they're doing it wholeheartedly to really help you. And at the end of the day, it really felt like all of us had the same goal, even though 
when we won, it was just one person winning a gold medal. Mm. But the entire team had the same goal. The entire team helped us reach this goal. And till this day, this kind of team, right, we are forever grateful for it. We are indebted to them. And it's so behind the scenes. They don't even claim credit. Yeah. They don't even want to be in the paper saying they're the best psychologists or anything. But but it's really like just helping. And, and this kind of things, we know that they're there for us. We slowly trust them. We slowly know that whatever they want us to do is in our best interest. And so we will do it. It's not like one day somebody come in and say, I'm good. Then I will say, okay, I'll listen to you for the rest of my life. No, it's not like that. They yeah, kind of have to prove their worth, mm. right? And also like... They have to build, we have to build a relationship. See yeah. if the frequency matches. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got no choice. But... <laughs> yeah, I understand. But, yeah. Yeah. but I, I understand because when you're at a certain level, it's, mm. it's harder for us also. Like, mm. like if for a veteran actor that's been around for a while and mm. understand the industry to listen to a director that is like... Yeah. You know, it's... It's hard. Like, it's hard. I'm not sure if they know yeah, what they're like doing. They don't know like they know what yeah. they're doing. It's like, are you sure? Like, I can do a job better than. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, how's the disabled community like in Singapore? Um, are you? I mean, I I don't know. Is there like an association or? Mm, there are few associations. Okay. And different. They cater to different... Yeah, some, some associations are specific. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's a muscular dystrophy association which caters to people with muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. Then there's probably like the um, hearing impairment association and then yes. the visual impairment association. And most of the time, I feel like those that, are, that have a higher, higher dependency mm-hmm. are just really... Um, in, in the associations itself. They don't really venture out to public and and oh. yeah. And I think that's a bit maybe that's why we don't see them so much because they're just in their own little in clicks. their own pockets, yeah, right? Their pockets, or their pockets yeah. of and mm. sticking and, to their own to mm. their comfort zone. Yeah, and I guess if they're happy there, if they're living a fulfilling life there then sure. But I think at this day and age also there's a lot of um initiatives to for companies to be more diverse, to be yeah. more inclusive, mm-hmm. and so people are also people with disabilities are also coming out to work, to to be in the community. Yeah, right. it's um, slow, but it's happening. Mm. Right. Do you feel that? Would you say you have traveled quite a bit of countries? Really? Would you say Singapore is a disabled-friendly place? Like, you I would know, like say if, that Singapore yeah. is very wheelchair-accessible. Wheelchair our transport, transportation system is great. Um, all our trains have lifts. Most of our buses are accessible. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I think is slightly lacking behind is really the mindset of people. Mm. Yeah. But our infrastructure is there. We have it's the hardware, la, not yeah. the software. <laughs> yes. yeah. Have you had any like really bad experience or like like traveling around or like you know any experience? Any I mean they are I mean they are stupid idiots around. Yeah. <laughs> have you had any really bad experiences? I tend to not really remember like bad things, but uh... Yeah, you seem to be super positive. <laughs> no. yeah. But then I'm pretty sure like maybe there are some Maybe like, okay, like for example taxi drivers sometimes can be quite mean. So like I get into a cab and yeah. I do need I get into a cab and I do need um assistance to keep my wheelchair. But some drivers are like just very grumpy. I feel like it's they're trying to blame me. Why are you on a wheelchair? Are you serious? Uncle, no it's not way. my fault that I'm on a wheelchair. So, so it's, like they are like they don't wanna keep like they were they're, they're like, just very like pukan yeah. <laughs> and then like throughout the ride I just like mm, okay can mm. Can, then faster like, get on. Yeah, it's quite like. But those are really like the main ones. Okay. But not everybody. Now nowadays it's a lot better yeah. with Uber and Grab. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Then, See? See? <laughs> <laughs> Uber and Grab is not a bad thing. Okay. <laughs> then um, also, maybe sometimes in the streets, people would. Uh, I feel like I've had like negative comments from people who like walk by before. But I just like I see, like walk by yeah, and then like say eh. bad things. are just like. strange. Some people are just strange. Like uh, they walk by and then they will say like, uh, "What are you on?" Like, like some, something that implies that if I'm on a wheelchair, I should be at home. 
Those kind of oh things. Oh my yeah. god, that's very like <laughs> old, old, old mm. mindset. Yeah, la, but it's right. not common. But it it's not common. Yeah. Okay, okay. But then you just brush it past. Yeah, I'm like, just like, meh, I'm yeah. probably out more than you, but no, yeah. <laughs> I don't say anything. Life is 10 times more exciting <laughs> than you, excuse me. Uncle, yeah. please. Yeah. La. Okay. yeah, but of course I don't say it to them. La, and yeah. Do you, do you, um, you know, like, there are a lot of lazy people around, mm. right? And then um, a lot of people who are wasting their life away. Do you find that, that you damn big take when you see them? <laughs> I mean, it's a very blatant thing, right? Yeah. Because for you, I'm sure you are even more um, appreciative of like all the mm. abilities you have like physically. Mm. So when you see like a lazy person doesn't want to like walk doesn't want to run doesn't want to exercise yes. and just wasting their health away if, okay if it's my friend mm. I will say something about neck. it <laughs> okay. I will say something I'll encourage them don't say neck lah too yeah. negative no. <laughs> I encourage I neck all the time you ask them <laughs> I neck at them all the time yeah, yeah but then if it's yeah I, I will like ask wonder why they are not doing it uh, yeah but I also different people have different motivations Mm -hmm. some people don't find like this drive in life until they are very very late late in life and it's okay like I think people with no drive no matter what you say they they won't move Mm -hmm. they will not get their ass off the chair Mm -hmm. and you just have to wait for them to wake up (laughs) you can try usually when something bad happens you can try you can try very very hard and if it works yay but sometimes there's really nothing you can do. My yeah. dad, I tried 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. One one, won't do anything man, until like he falls really sick, I'm sure. But, I, I mean, like, but humans yeah. are like that. Yeah, it's humans like, are yeah, like that. They need to lose it, then mm. they will cherish it. But the, the scary thing is that sometimes when they lose it, it's too late. Too late. Yeah, it's a bit mm. scary. Yeah, mm. okay. So uh, is there anything you want to add? Yeah. Mm. You want to share? You want to talk about? Not really. Not really. How about, yeah. okay, usually at the end we will ask, we, we get to ask our, if you watch our past uh-huh. series, we'll ask our audience a question, like something that you have on your mind. Um, is there anything? Uh, is there a question you want to mm. ask? My question is, um, does the public agree that at the end of the day, the amount of effort put into every athlete for the Olympics and the Paralympics is the same? So the commitment, the passion, the hard work, training, everything, is it is it similar? Is it the same? And do they see value in knowing that it's the same? Like what I said, lah, yeah. right? Do they see um, basically the backstory mm. and the humanity? Do they see that value in yes. the Paralympics? Mm. Okay, two part question. So <laughs> let's see how they answer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. I had fun. Hey.